There we go. All right. Sorry. I just wanted to see some lines. <laughs> Give me some FaceTime. FaceTime. <laughs> There's a channel. I think it's on one of the free like Roku. It's actually, I think it's the Roku channel. They do full just 24 hours of Rock of Love or Flavor of Love. Ooh. Ugh. I haven't done a Rock of Love rewatch in so long, but the last time I did it, I had such a great time. He literally would kick women off for telling them that, for telling him that they weren't yet in love with him. <laughs> they were like, well, I just met you. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to need like somebody who loves me. So. So unhinged. No wonder my dating life in my 20s was so off. I was like, this is love. This is how you find a soulmate. <laughs> This is how people date. I legit thought him and Amber Lake were soulmates. I'm so embarrassed. That season was iconic. That season was second two is my season, favorite. Right? Yeah, season one is when Jess won over Heather. Even though yes. Heather was like, "You can date both of us," and Jess was like, "I'm not comfortable with that." And then she dumped him on the reunion. That was so funny because then that was like so so shitty for poor for poor Heather, who I learned was only like our age in that season. I'm horrified, horrified to learn that. Truly, and they kept calling her old. Do you remember they were like this old stripper? <laughs> oh, no. Do you remember one of their final dates where one of them got so shit faced they were like puking on the bar? It was Brandy, Brandy M, Brandy M. Who someone was like shoveling Fruit Loops into their mouth, and Jess, so Jess was like comforting Brandy and like helping her throw up. This other girl is just like mowing down on Fruit Loops, and Jess has this line where she's like. I'm stuck with this drunk girl, this girl eating Fruit Loops, and a stripper. <laughs> okay, I remember this. It was, they were at a crab and oyster dinner, I think, yes. like a seafood extravaganza. <laughs> and Brandy got fucked up. I remember they had that the first season, they had like that separation. It was like the fun girls. I didn't like the fun girls at first. I was like, the fun girls are trashy. Well, they're not here for love. <laughs> they were, <laughs> I love reality TV. Welcome to Elite Squad Pod, the podcast that talks about reality TV. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, this is where we tell you that we got bored of SVU. We don't want to do it anymore. So screw that show. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Bye. No, I'm kidding. We would never. <laughs> should we get into it? We should get into it. Hi, guys. We already hey. did that. I'm going to skip. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so this is ESP episode 29, even though I have it 28 in here. Um. So that was, did we, did we say it was 20? Yeah, it was 29. Episode 29, but SVU, season two, episode three, closure part two. Yes. Original air date, November 3rd, 2000, directed by Jean de Sigenzak, who is not the director of closure part one, but the director of payback and nocturne. I forgot, but he is the director of the very first episode. And then he is the director of the 300th episode. Which oh, we're never going to cover. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Screw that. Again, countdown to when Stabler leaves, because that's when we two leave. We go with him. Although maybe that is within the first 12 seasons. I don't know. Well, it's been on every year for a thousand years. So. Also, I have this here. I don't know if that'll work, but I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. Important things to mention about this episode. We have the return. Actually, he's probably been in a bunch of times. I don't mean to pull this this part of the show from you. But D.A. Klein Rothberg, played by 
Ned Eisenberg. So Ned Eisenberg plays every DA ever in Law and Order. He was DA Klein Rothenberg in this one. Then he was also DA Roger Kressler, AD James Granick, DA Phillips. Wait, I put RIP. Oh yeah, because Ned Eisenberg died. Sorry. He did. He died last year. Sorry, oh, I was God. getting to that, but I was like, why did I put it after that note? He was in 24 episodes. Oh, so he was in 24 episodes of SVU. So basically one episode per year. And then he did seven episodes of Law and Order proper. So throughout all of those, he was one, two, three, four, four different characters. <laughs> the defense attorney he is next season, he will be that defense attorney for the rest of SVU when we see him. And is that Roger Kressler? I think that's who it is. Or is it, is it Klein Rothberg? Klein Rothberg is who he is today. Yeah. And he will Klein never Rothberg be him again. Today. Do you know who he is in the first episode? He is the attorney defending the guy who pulls his pants down and shakes yes. his dick at Stabler. They always give him the really bad guys when you think about it. Like they had the penis swagger. And he's always like, what? He's like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have given me this. I'm just going to keep being like, yeah. Oh. I just did it too. Yeah, Ned Eisenberg died last year, so pretty young. Um, and then Kenneth Cleary, I thought his care. I thought Neil Maffin, the actor playing him, did a great job as him. I thoroughly enjoyed him this episode, not because I enjoyed him like you know being a rapist. I meant that he did a good job, and he stopped acting in two thousand five, which is so weird. I mean, I don't know. Didn't he like retire to Canada or something? That makes sense. If you're gonna retire somewhere, I guess Canada is a place to go. <laughs> Got it. That's going to get old. <laughs> It'll get old when it's old, but not now. Not now. Dun, dun. Uh, opening scene. 911 dispatch office. A dispatcher for 911 is in the middle of fielding calls. The first one is a man who's been stuck in the Lincoln Tunnel in traffic for like an hour or so. I think that was it. And then she, she's like, is this an emergency? And he goes, well, yeah, I've been stuck here for an hour. And I felt him. But she just basically hung up on him. The only thing we learned from this call is he mentions it's almost midnight. Just kind of establishing the time. I missed that. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know that. Good point. I'm like, what a dumb fucking moment. <laughs> so she picks up the call right after. And a woman tells her that there is a rape in progress on 88 West Franklin Street. So in the background, we could hear that there's a dog barking and a man is like shouting. And then the caller says, get away from me. And then the call drops. The dispatcher calls in the rape. And then we cut to BNS walking with an officer and we get the classic, what do you got? And the officer tells them about the 911 call, but there was no apartment number given by the caller. So they're afraid this might be a prank. Um, an officer hands Olivia something found under the fire escape, and I think it's a piece of jewelry that says Lori on it. Is that? It ends up being a necklace. Yeah, I had to go back when we found out what it was, but they do not tell us. They're like, here's this, and they're like, Lori. <laughs> I know. I was like, is it an ID? Like, what are you looking at? It could be a love letter. It could have been like a rock with Lori etched into it. Like, it could have been anything, but they were just like, Lori. And I'm like, all right, I guess that's who got attacked. Thanks, everyone. So then we hear... We got it over the radio and BNS go upstairs to an apartment and another officer tells them the door was unlocked and the victim is locked in the bathroom crying. So Olivia goes to the door. The victim tells her to go away. And Olivia's like, are you Lori? I'm Olivia. And this is enough to let for Lori to let Olivia in. So Olivia enters the bathroom alone. It's 
full of steam and Lori kind of begs her again not to come in. She's like scrubbing the bathroom drain desperately with a toothbrush. And then finally she looks up at, at Olivia and she's like, I just want the stuff that he left on me out of here. And Olivia's like, honey, you you got it all. Let's. Yeah. Let's. Um, and then like wraps her in a towel. And then poor Lori goes, this is really happening, isn't it? So Olivia escorts her out of the bathroom. And Lori says, is this how you like it? That's all he kept saying to me. And in case you missed what we said earlier, this is closure part two. <laughs> so it's our friend Kenneth Cleary. He's back again. Yeah. Um, Olivia leaves Lori with the officer and goes over to talk to Stabler and they're just kind of like he washed her off he said is this how you like it this victim she's blonde petite and single Stabler's just like why am I not surprised bastards at it again I don't know which one of them said that dumb line but (laughs) I want to say it's Olivia (laughs) so I've instituted a point system for bad dialogue to help myself cope with it because I'm frankly tired of editing out all the annoying ranting I do when it's bad dialogue. So I'm just going to quickly go through my points. Um, Olivia asks, because Lori is going, she's talking about the man. And then Olivia goes, the man who made you dirty? Negative one. Because ew. Oh, that was gross. It was just stupid. It was a stupid line. So right now, we're down two points um, for the episode dialogue. Yeah. Dun dun. <laughs> Bullpen. BNS tell Cragen that this attacker has to be Cleary, uh, Kenneth Cleary, because it's the same neighborhood, same signatures. Mainly, you know, first and foremost, is this how you like it? But also for all the other reasons Brittany listed, same neighborhood, sneaking through the fire escape. Same victim type. Same victim type. Yeah, they, I keep forgetting that part. But yeah, he, it's like all the same type of victim. Craig is holding a mugshot of Cleary and says they cannot assume it's him. He's doing his Craig and contrarian, but it's like very heavy. I, I know what he's doing, but it's really heavy handed this time. He's just like, nope. I wrote Kenneth Cleary a known cancer <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot. Because <laughs> remember he lied, said he was a Leo. He was like, I'm a Leo. <laughs> and Stanley come, comes in flipping open a folder. He's like, you're a cancer. And I was like, damn it. And it was perfect because it was Revenge of the Cancer. So oh. that episode. So mm. it was like really well timed. That's how we, that's when I knew that we were, we were bespoke. <laughs> a truly bespoke podcast. Betts reminds him that they lost Cleary as a suspect and Craig says that they couldn't hold him which is different so that's around so that was the main problem is that they had him as a suspect but they didn't have enough evidence to convict him the first time which is how come he went free even though we have all these things it was all circumstantial unfortunately so Lori enters the station and benson takes her into the nice interrogation room Lori left the window open the night before and that's how her attacker got in she describes the attack he lifted up her nightshirt so that it was covering her face it's another signature he tries to kiss her rips off the necklace again so he could take it as a souvenir and after the attack he made her shower she didn't see his face because he kept the shirt over her head the whole time which tracks verbatim with parker anderson's story parker harper anderson's story the season before so the whole time she says this, Stabler is standing outside the room with Cragen, saying everything that Lori says right before she says it to prove to Cragen that this is exactly Kenneth Cleary's MO. But I said in Cragen's defense, they still don't know it's Cleary. So BNS naming all the signatures doesn't really prove it's Cleary. It's just proving that it's a person who has done this before. <laughs> he thinks just by naming the trademarks, he goes, yeah, nightgown, kiss, <laughs> jewelry. 
Kenneth Clary. He's like, yeah, but we didn't convict him the first time, so we can't we know still that. We can't Elliot. do any of those things. <laughs> it's kind of. It's just. It was so funny. Lori says there were sirens outside when he was showering her off, and that's when the attacker pushed her and ran away uh, out the front door. Cragen decides to send Stabler to find the witness who placed the call the night of. So this was funny to me because they're also startled by this revelation that she's not the one that called 911. Olivia's like, wait, you didn't call? I'm like, you guys are all just learning this now. I missed that because I dead ass didn't think that that would even be a question. I don't even know where I was. I watched it like three times and I died every time I didn't remember that. They're like, you didn't call 911. I'm like, wouldn't you have like asked been like, oh, and you found her locked in her shower. She was in her shower. It was pretty obvious, I guess, to me that she didn't make the call. Well, of course, because we have the other information, but they're just like, oh, she called 911 and then went back into the shower and. No, I, I, I thought it was because she said there is a rape in progress, not I'm being attacked right now. <laughs> done, done. So now we're at the 911 dispatch place. BNS listened to the recording with the dispatch op who fielded the call. And they know that the woman who called was interacting with a person walking a dog. Uh, so there could be a potential second witness. They deduce that the call was coming from a payphone on Franklin. Done, done. So we're on the street. From the payphone, BNS remarked that you can't see into Lori's apartment and look around to see from where you could see into her apartment. So they go back up to her apartment and they see two apartments that can see into hers. And lucky for them, there is a dog in the window of one and they're like, got it. This is it. This is it. And I thought so too. So they like rush over to the apartment and they start harassing this blind lady who's like... (laughs) I didn't see shit. Um, you're going to have to speak to Billy, who is this kind man that takes out my dog. Cue Billy, who is hilarious. Billy's hilarious for no fucking reason. And I wrote that. I said for the roof, for no fucking reason. They give us this man, <laughs> this nerd who is studying on the roof. And I said he was like a junior munch. He has a pile of books next to him, like with no rhyme or reason. <laughs> Props just opened books, threw them in the air, and let them land next to Billy. Um, I think he was a med student because in one of these erstwhile tombs was a sketch of a heart or some shit. But yeah, but I love Billy. Billy is both helpful and non-helpful because he doesn't really have time for them. He doesn't have time for anything. He's a little cute. Uh, Billy's a little salty with them and Stabler's asking about what happened when they walked the dog and he's like did the dog bark or lunge it this woman that was using a payphone and Billy's like he's a guide dog he's trained to not bark or lunge but you can check the newsstand on the corner I have a negative point here because when they they were like did you walk Mrs. So-and-so's dog last night and Billy goes yeah Hank like these two detectives care that her dog's name is Hank I care. I'm actually thrilled to know that dog's named Hank, but. Also, she has one dog and this woman is, they like gave her a name. They're like, did you walk like, you know, Mrs. Johnson's dog? He's like, yeah, Hank. Who else would it be? What other dog does she have? You need to clarify his name is Hank. Anyway, negative point because for no reason, for no fucking reason. Shut up, Billy. (laughs) But yeah, he says, go check the newsstand down at the end of the block. Newsstand down at the end of the block. Done, done. Now we're there. So as BNS approach, there's a Doberman that jumps up from behind the newsstand and he starts barking at them like crazy. So just like on the recording. 
So the owner says that the dog, they ask the owner, they're like, hey, did your dog attack a woman the night before? And the owner, it's an older man, and I don't feel bad for him. He says no, that the dog never touched that woman, only barked at her, and then he pulled him away and it was all fine. Um, But so they know that they have the right person because this guy confirmed that the dog, there was an interaction with a lady who yelled at the dog. BNS asks what the woman looked like, and the guy says that he didn't see the woman's face, but that she was wearing all black and thong panties. And he says he noticed because she had a nice ass. He was more interested in her ass than he was in her face. So everyone's uncomfortable and just staring at him. As they should. And there's a woman in the newsstand behind him that he clearly works with. I th- it could not be his wife because she doesn't beat the, sh- the dog shit out of him when he says he looked at this woman's ass and knew she wore a thong. Um, but who was she? Because she stands there and has no emotion. Not like, oh, my God, my boss is embarrassing me again. I'm assuming that for the purpose of this, of like the scene working, they probably it was probably the dog handler in real life. <laughs> they probably just needed her to be back there. Because <laughs> otherwise, I've never seen two people working in one of those stands before. There's simply not enough room usually. So like. Right. Like what would they both be doing? And Benson and Stapler both give him like a. A disgusted kind of like. Ew. They're literally staring at him. And then he goes, what? I'm an ass man. I don't apologize for it. Minus 20 points. Because why did we need this? I guess just to remind us that men are awful even in fiction. I mean, so to me, he serves as the character from the first closure where the guy watched her get raped and was like, she's just really pretty. And I liked watching it. So I didn't call the police. And they were like, you're horrible. You're right. So this is probably, you're right, it's probably just setting up for like how in this type of world you really can't trust anybody because even like, even somebody who doesn't seem like they could be like predatory is like still predatory. There's just something different about when men, when men check out women. There's something Mm. so different about it. Well, it's kind of like in the Barbie movie when Ryan Gosling is like, everyone's looking at me and there's no undertones of violence. And Barbie's like, uh, I think there's undertones of violence when people are looking at me. It's the undertone of violence. Exactly. I love that scene. She was like, I feel a lot of violence, like very strong amounts of violence. <laughs> That's the difference. That guy there was like a little bit. I mean, for both of them, him and the pervert who we wanted thrown in prison last time. I mean, that guy especially. That was like, yeah, I would say accessory because of what he admitted. It'd be one thing if he had said, I was frozen with fear. I have never seen something so traumatic and I truly didn't know how to handle it or something like that. But when he admitted to being like, well, she was pretty and I wanted to watch her, I think they should have at least slapped him with a ticket. Been like, ooh, littering for existing because you're trash. Like be, yeah, no, that's a very good way to put it, Brittany. Mm. Detective Porter. Thank you. Let her hand you the ticket. (laughs) Doot, doot. (laughs) Doot, doot. (laughs) Toot, toot. bullpen so craig is starting to get a little wound up because it's i mean we're five (laughs) minutes into the episode and we don't have a we don't have anyone in custody and that makes him a little agitated he's like we don't even know if it's clear he's like starting to get like pissy i write the one guy we do have and they have a good amount i know they don't but they have a good amount of evidence (laughs) he's like it's not him why isn't this crime solved yet furious and then, so Tutu Ola, who's, I think, now our new Jeffries in that he just comes in with helpful information, walks in and says that another call was made at the payphone, this one at 12, 1204. And if you remember correctly, 
if you remember correctly. It was just a few minutes I ago. I didn't, Brittany. Remember? <laughs> if you remember, it was around midnight when the original call was made. So there was a call right after. And this call was made to the home of Kenneth Cleary. So Olivia was like, shut up, Don. So Olivia's like, woohoo, we're going to go get him. And Kring is like, no, fuck off. He knows what you look like. Munch and Finn are going to go handle this. We're going to go talk to Kenneth. And Munch kind of looked like he had been planning on an easy night. Like he was kind of like, or, you know, like when you go to work and you're like, oh, I'm excited. I don't really have a lot to do today. Like, it's going to be a nice day. I'll get some things organized. You know, just like maybe take a little bit of a walk on my lunch. And then he's like, go talk to this person. And you're like, fuck. Now I have to go uptown. He's like, I have a phrenology appointment later. Dun dun. The Cleary home. Meredith. Oh, my God. Okay, I've got to read this to you. So I didn't bother to look up. Mrs. Cleary's name until the end of the episode when Harper was saying it. Um, I went through and replaced all of my Mrs. Cleary's. Like, you know how you do replace all mm-hmm. with Meredith? So here I put Cleary home. Meredith, a.k.a. Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith, also known as Meredith. <laughs> also known as Meredith. <laughs> okay, done, done. Cleary home at the Cleary Brownstone. Mrs. Cleary, whose name is Meredith opens the door for Finn and Munch, and they ask her if she received a phone call around midnight, and then she goes, finally, and lets them in. She's giving a little bit of Mrs. Hayes in this, but, like, more put together. She is ever so slightly an over-actor, and that's okay. She is. It works. I was going to say, it a little bit works for her, but the scene is very funny because it is kind of like a play, like the way it's written. Um, so she lets them in. She tells them that she's been getting these harassing. They both, her husband and she, have been getting these harassing phone calls from a woman for a while now. And she, this woman, when she calls, accuses Mr. Kenneth Cleary of being a rapist. <laughs> in the call the night before, the woman said to Mrs. Cleary, He's raping someone right now. And that's how Mrs. Cleary said it. <laughs> She's very dramatic. Can you imagine getting that? I mean, I don't even know what I'd say. It's on a landline. It's already startling. <laughs> I believe all women. So he'd come home and I'd beat the absolute dog shit out of him. But True. I'd be like, well, surely she's telling me this for a reason. He could be lying next to me. I'd just start punching him. Oh, for real. I'd be like, she says that you're out there right now. And he'd be like, well, am I? I'd be like, I have no clue. I don't even know. AI is a crazy thing. <laughs> it's just anybody anymore. Munch and Finn start drilling into her um, in a back and forth that I found confusing. So Munch goes, was your husband home last night? My husband is not a rapist. Was your husband home last night? No. Did you walk the dog? We all walk the dog. She says he was home. She goes, was your husband oh, home? Yeah. And she, the second time, he goes, was your husband home? And she goes, he's not a rapist. And then he goes, was your husband home? And she goes, yes. What the fuck was I doing? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> no. But I loved the delivery of, we all walk the dog, because it reminded me of Victoria Justice going, we all sing. I think we all sing. I am finding that fucking clip. I love that clip. That's so true, Liz. You sing a lot, too. Like, I, especially during the we all sing. Yeah, Once a month, I think about that clip. That is my Roman Empire. That clip is my Roman Empire. <laughs> Yeah, Ari's always singing. We're always like laughing because she's always <laughs> singing. <laughs> yeah, I think we all sing. <laughs> that was Mrs. Cleary. <laughs> yeah, I think we all walk the dog. We all walk the dog. We all walk the dog. So Finn asks what she did after she got the phone call and she says she went back to sleep. I should have known that this was she goes, what you said. I went back to sleep. <laughs> 
You get a call saying your husband is raping someone. Then what? I went back to sleep. You didn't call the police. I went back to sleep. <laughs> they are getting nowhere with this broad. She insists that Kenneth was asleep at home during the incident, and she didn't bother waking him up to tell him about the call. We don't need. <laughs> we both don't need to be awake for a harassing phone call. <laughs> Just all her reasoning so weird. She's like, you know, like two people don't need to be involved with a harassing phone call. And it's like, oh, so the ringing didn't wake him up. You both walked the dot. Like what? Yeah. And they've been getting these calls for a couple months. But like I would still I guess her logic was like we get these calls all the time. So I'm not going to tell him every time his lady calls. But like if you have an active police report on this person, then you should (laughs) tell him. Right. So she called the phone company and they have offered to put a tap on the line. But Cleary is against this because they and she goes, because he says they could listen to personal conversations. He works with private financial matters. And I just went, I'm so sick of all these finance bros murdering all around Manhattan. I'm so sick of them. They're raping. They're murdering. They should all be put on a watch list. All of them. It's every single one of them, according to these, per these writers, per this writing staff. I mean, we are only, what, um, probably 20, I could do the math, say like 26 episodes into SVU overall. And we've already had like 10 financial baddies. It's giving writers don't know what other people do for jobs. They know like three things. They're like, in the world, there exist writers finance they're like what kind of finance jobs they're like private financial matters who who gives a shit who gives a shit blue collar and modeling (laughs) 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 and they don't know like what this job is specifically just blue collar (laughs) those are the jobs you can have in svu and then the only time they ever branch out is if they're given a school to work with then they're like oh sweet we have like a template (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) student other student principal scary teacher yeah principal staff priest michael oh and i have an asshole nitpicky thing about the whole dates of this episode but i'll get into that later Ooh, we're switching today because normally i don't do the oh this person was in this many episodes normally i'm the one who does the like and then this date was wrong and then this date so in closure part one that happened and i checked it today um the whole thing starts on like october 31st into november 1st so in this episode, Cragen's like, oh, well, we brought Cleary in a year ago. That's not true. This whole thing also takes place in October. They didn't bring Cleary in until six months after Harper's assault because it was Easter when Olivia was going to go on her date and Brian yes. Cassidy had a meltdown. They last saw Cleary six months ago. So they're probably, again, negative 20,000 points for dialogue there because most likely what they're referencing is that it's been a year since part one aired because that's right. kind of what happened because this was November 3rd and then I think that was like the year before. So mm-hmm. it's like the writers are like, ha ha, look, it's been a year. No, bitch. It's been like eight months. Like, exactly. Because that happened in like April and now it's October. So they're like, oh, we didn't. Br- we brought him in a year ago. And that's like the only thing where I really have them on because they f- specifically are like, we brought him in. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You brought him in in April. It is now October. And I don't think it's wrong for us to point this out because if this was a real investigation, it'd be really sloppy, shoddy fucking work. And I know the only reason they did that is because this was filmed in a time where you're not meant to focus so much on continuity, but we just can. Yeah. 
No, that you mentioned that in the last. Well, in uh, Wrong is Right too, that it, it's really not supposed to be streamed, like because no. then you find this shit, you know. So <laughs> we basically ended that that scene, except she just goes, "I don't know why you guys don't stop this woman from ruining our lives," and they're like, "Okay, um, we're gonna go." Dun dun. So we're back at the station, and they are now checking Cleary's phone records. Olivia asks if Mrs. Cleary alibied her husband, and Finn's like, yes, but she basically choked it out. So she's lying, but we can't, like, that doesn't get us anywhere. So they're like, oh, all of the harassing calls came from payphones, except one. The very first call came from the number of Harper Anderson. A Kenneth Cleary victim and known ganja enthusiast. Uh, the plot makes me nervous. Stabler goes, looks like she's stalking him. Sorry, Olivia. <laughs> I, I thought that was so petty. <laughs> like, a, like, why? Because Olivia is a Sorry, woman. Sorry, Olivia. I mean, Olivia really did feel badly and did work really hard in that case. But he's saying it like, I don't know, almost like I didn't like the, I didn't like his tone. You lost this bet. It's not a bet. Let's spend no more time fretting here because the next scene's awesome. <laughs> it's fucking Let's go. amazing. Dun-dun. <clears throat> Harper Anderson's apartment, of which Paige approves. I have notes. How the hell does she afford that? That has got to be, I mean, I guess that was the early odds. She's a waitress, too. I was trying to remember what her job was, and I was like, no, no, she's a waitress. She, I mean, she might have gotten a new job in the last six months, but... <laughs> six months. Um, no. So if this were a real person, I would say clearly her parents are rich. Otherwise, on a waitress salary living in Tribeca? No, she opens the door grinning. Like kind of does like a hello. <laughs> she is both beautiful and terrifying in this moment. I have never been so like in awe of somebody and also so scared well she's got like her beautiful long blonde hair she's wearing a sleeveless blue turtleneck that brings out her eyes she's matching eyeshadow she's wearing like a nice like not like a purple bold lip. lip but it's yeah i guess a little bold she looks she looks fucking stunning it was y2k as it should be done and at its finest let's just be clear this entire episode Harper Anderson is on one and gives whatever fuck she had left. She buried them alive. There are no fucks left to give. She is here and serving us strong girl ferocia. I'm scared of her. Like in a way where like not really, but like, like, you know how I always I always say this to Brittany. I'm like, I don't think I could fist fight that person. And it's important I couldn't to fist know. fight this bitch. Benson says, Harper, you can't stalk Cleary. I'm not stalking. That's illegal. I'm surveying from a legal distance. <laughs> like she's wild grinning. <laughs> she is just like, I'm not stalking. Stalking is illegal. I surveil from a legal distance. Like, and she's very pointedly everything she says. It's sort of like someone's just like making you're like, Any, everything OK? They're like, fine. Everything's great. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is angry, angry, aggressive energy. And that's what she's giving them the whole time. So she turns and goes towards her kitchen and B&S follow her inside. Harper gets a bottle of wine from the fridge and says that she saw Cleary go into an alleyway with a fire escape. They ask her if she saw him go up the fire escape. And she said no, but that was how she got into her apartment when he attacked her. So them reminding us that that was what happened to Harper. That is why they're here. 
Stabler asks if she witnessed Cleary raping someone, and she says no. She says she circled the block looking for him again and then realized that the probability that he was raping somebody was very high, and then she decided to call the cops. When the sirens arrived, she saw Cleary run out the service exit, which is consistent with what Lori said happened after she heard the sirens and hear the sirens, he took off. Harper says that she considered waiting for the cops, but since she knows how that all goes, she decided to shadow Cleary instead. Very different from stalking, she mentions. <laughs> I love her so much. Yeah, as she's detailing this, she's pouring them wine um, over by the back wall of the kitchen. And Stabler asks if Harper's shadowing has evolved into obsession. And then he glances up at the cabinets over where she is pouring the wine. And the camera pans up to reveal, I want to say, probably a 30 by 40 blown up. It is huge. Huge. It is a huge, high pixel, I guess as much as you could be back then, framed mugshot of Kenneth Cleary. And she looks at it and she's holding the wine. She goes, it goes with the room. It goes with the room. Have some wine. She is just so unbothered, this whole conversation, and I love it. So she tells them Cleary, oh no, I didn't write clearly this time, but I have before, is a workaholic. She's like, he won't leave the office until eight. We can chat for another hour and a half. She is maniacally pouring these three glasses of wine. And then Olivia is kind of a dick. And she's like, well, you couldn't ID him. And I was like, dick move, Olivia. Like she kind of yells it at her. Yeah. (laughs) Olivia, this whole shtick Harper's doing is clearly, clearly working on the both of them because they're both so rattled. And she's just like filling up wine glasses, glancing at the artwork, smiling. She pours them like a bowl of nuts. Yeah, she's like, I I thought that her with the wine and the nuts and the offering them alcohol, because she keeps offering them, she goes, want a drink? And they're like, no. She's like, come on. I wonder if that was all to kind of like imposing on their free will, kind of like, like every time that they said no, she would ask again, you know, or like insist or make some reason why they should have it. Again, sort of like what men do. Yeah. Like if you're like, no, thank you. Come on. No, thank you. Come on. Like, you know, they like, told her no before she poured the three glasses. Which yeah. Myself, a enjoyer of wine, I was like, that's a waste. I was thinking that. Unless like, she's so going to drink, drink all drink three. All. She's definitely going to drink all three. Um, Benson asks Harper how she's still so sure that Cleary is the one who assaulted her the year before. Harper tells him that she went to Cleary's hearing regarding Harper's stolen necklace because he used to, like, you know, steal things does steal things i was gonna say he still uh, does was we're gonna still find does. out <laughs> well if you're listening to craig and we don't know that Ooh. olivia we're not sure <laughs> when harper saw cleary in the galley that day he turned around and he winked at her and that's when she knew disgusting Again. gross but that is all this man knows how to do is rape smirk and wink those are Truly. his three three things he knows in life oh in private financial matters fourth so they pause after she says this, and then Harper asks who clearly, Cleary raped now. And they look at her, they're like, how did you know that? <laughs> She's like, he must have raped someone, or you wouldn't be here talking I to me. I love that delivery. She's like, well, he must have did it, because you otherwise you wouldn't be here. And she's so not wrong that they can't even be like, hmm. No, it's true, because I thought for a minute I wanted to kind of like poke holes in that. I'm like, well, you're stalking somebody. Then I'm like, no, but that's not SVU's territory. They would, I mean, maybe because they dealt with her before, they'd be like, can you go talk to this crazy broad? Because she's stalking this poor rich lady. But Mm. in reality, they probably wouldn't. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
Um, Hoffer offers them one more drink again, and they say no. And she goes, you don't have to be so tense. I don't expect anything from you. Ugh. Ooh. Devastating. Woo! So they, they get into a quick argument about whether or not SVU tried hard enough to get Cleary. Harper basically insinuates that SVU is too busy to bother, bother with Cleary. And so she's taking matters into her own hands. Which is working. So it's like, I yeah. don't know. They're trying to fight her. And so far, she's the reason that they got to the scene so quickly. Sorry. She's right. And she actually does say they're too busy. But sarcastically, she goes, clearly, you're too busy. <laughs> <laughs> She's so fucking funny. Harper. Queen. Dun dun. Queen. Dun dun. So we're back at the station and Olivia, who loved Harper's outfit so much from the last scene, is now in her own sleeveless mock turtleneck. This one's maroon. But I was like, she she literally saw that and was like, "Mm, that looks really cute. Went home, changed, went back to the station. And Stabler's big mad. He's like, oh, mm, Harper's dangerous. She's doing our job because we couldn't do it. Yeah, I wrote, LOL, what? She's not killed anyone. (laughs) And Olivia, who I think was really just trying to do her job in the last scene, it turns out she's just kind of agrees with Harper. She's like, well, we almost got him for this rape because of her. Like, at least she's admitting it. And Cragen's pissed. He's like, I'm not buying that. It is stalking. And, and. Sorry, I'm going to have to restart my Cragen. I'm just so worked up. <laughs> Cragen's like, are you really buying the I'm not stunking, I'm following thing? And Olivia's like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So Cragen points out that Mrs. Cleary feels threatened. And Olivia's like, well, she's going to have to face the fact her husband is a rapist. And Tutaola wisely says, street justice is always bloody. Street justice is always bloody. I am so excited we now get to have iced tea clips in these episodes. I had no follow-up questions. I was like, nope, that's... It is. You're right. After Olivia said, well, sooner or later, she's going to have to admit her husband's a rapist, which I thought was pretty fucking funny, because it's just like, that's... Agree, but that's not police work. That's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, sooner or later, that guy's going to have to admit he's a killer. No, he doesn't. No, he actually doesn't. And it would really not benefit him to do that. So he's not going <laughs> to not ideally. Happen. So Cragen tells Munch to bring Harper in for a blunt talking to. And Benson and Stabler are tasked with getting in the Cleary's faces. He's like, all right, as salty as I am at Harper, maybe we'll give her a little like fatherly like, don't do that. And we're going to try to turn the heat up on the Cleary's. Dun, dun. Benson and Olivia roll. Do you think the scene was funny? <laughs> yes. And that's why I got messed up because I said Benson and Olivia because I was thinking about how fucking funny this would be to see. Um, are you a Sex in the City fan? Not. OK, not because I don't like it, but I'm getting as an adult now, I'm getting into it because now I'm in my 30s and I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> so there is an episode where Samantha Jones's boyfriend cheats on her. And she stalks around Manhattan, putting up flyers, basically saying this guy is a cheater and a pig. And this cop like runs up to her and tries to stop her. And she goes, he ate someone else's pussy. And the woman goes, proceed. And she just keeps <laughs> taping up these signs all over this guy's neighborhood. That's kind of the scene. Outside the Cleary Brownstone, 
Benton and Sailor roll up and they see that there are posters of Cleary's mugshot that say in big, bold black letters, rapist, posted on trees and street poles and brownstone handles. And they are just like, handles. oh, shit. They're like, I wonder who's doing this. Who could it be? So they also down the street see Meredith yelling at Harper as she tapes these posters onto things. So they're just yelling at each other. They're almost like cartoonishly chasing each other. She's like, you, she's like ripping them down and Harper's just taking it back and like retaping it. Like, yes, I can. Like they're not being violent towards each other because it's more like Mrs. Cleary is trying to take them down and Harper's just putting them back up and they're just yelling back. at each other, You can't do this. You're enabling a rapist. <laughs> so they're just shrieking and BNS are like, oh, my God. So they immediately pull them apart. Little cat fight on the streets. <laughs> girls, girls. <laughs> oh my god. So <laughs> Cleary drives up in his fucking beamer, so <laughs> he drives up and Stabler says Oh. And Stabler goes, A woman was raped last night. Like he he's like basically walks up and he's like, Hey. Yeah, I was like, why did I do this? This is literally I went Stabler I went Cleary drives up in his beamer. Stabler says, Two nights ago a woman was raped. <laughs> Such weird note taking. <laughs> No, that's how my notes go to. I don't think anything of note happens between him pulling up and running over and Stapler being like, hey, a woman was raped two nights ago. And Cleary says that he was at home with his wife. Then Harper yells, you're lying. I saw you. (laughs) Cleary dryly asks if he'll be accused every time a woman is is assaulted and makes a smart remark about Harper needing to take her lithium and that she's clearly unhinged. So Harper... Anderson. She must be a fire sign. Oh, she's got to be. So Harper, Marie Anderson. Oh, no, we can't use Marie for everything. Elizabeth. <laughs> Harper Elizabeth Anderson takes a piece of metal from the trash that they are standing next to. And I am like, why would you have that piece of metal up in I there? I was like, where the hell did that come from? But it's there. <laughs> this is the Upper West Side. She takes it. And she smacks the shit out of that Beamer windshield. And they knew it. I don't know why they took them so long to react. Because they like, it was basically slow motion. She was like, looked at him, reached down, picked it up, smacked the Beamer. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> They're like, I can't believe she's done this. So Benson hauls Harper away. Stabler looks at Cleary and sees Cleary smiling like super, duper smugly. Um, very much giving, I'm getting away with sexual assault. Serial sexual assault and theft. Serial sexual assault and theft. Yes. Stabler kind of walks away. He's like disgusted. But then Mrs. Cleary also sees this look, walks up to Kenneth and kind of looks at him like, are you fucking serious, Kenneth? (laughs) And then afterwards, she like walks away and his face immediately falls. He just starts to frown. He's like, meh. (laughs) Meh. This gets, this happens a lot with Neil Maffin, the actor. He's very good at nonverbal expression, so he really doesn't have to say much to, like, <laughs> just be terrible, like, like, to give off, like, a shitty vibe. And, like, so that's, like, one of his things is that he keeps making these, like, big smile faces, and then, like, something will happen, and immediately after, he's like, meow. <laughs> <laughs> this happens several times. Dun, dun. So now we're in Cabot's office, and she asks if they have any other edit. If they have any other evidence from Lori's rape and Stapler says they could do a voice ID, but Cleary isn't just going to come down and do that. Olivia points out Harper can place him at the scene and Cabot's like, yeah, yeah, great witness. Yeah, we can definitely use her. Not. (laughs) Yeah, she says she isn't worth much as a witness. And Craig is like, yeah, and the stalking thing. And Olivia says, 
she's just trying to take control of her life and everyone just kind of stares at her like <laughs> yeah okay olivia <laughs> olivia's logic in this is so funny <laughs> she's like oh <laughs> sooner or later she's gonna have to admit her husband's a rapist who would admit that though I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> if i could avoid admitting that for as long as i possibly fucking could I would. not while helping him get away with it i would just it, i would help them catch him but if they were like was that your husband i'd be like no my god no that was someone no, else's husband oh my god that's embarrassing i didn't marry him i didn't take vows with somebody who would do something like that named kenneth cleary right named kenneth so olivia rightly points out that he's going to rape again and she's like well why don't we take over where harper left off and even though craigan and stabler have been guffawing at literally everything she said craigan's like okay yeah we can do that i'm not gonna pay you but we can do that and olivia's like did i ask if you'd pay me and Cab is like, get the fuck, go do that. Don't break any laws and get the fuck out of my office. Oh, or- yeah, they were in Cabot's. <laughs> I was like, why did she get here? <laughs> but yeah, no, I felt like they were disagreeing with Olivia the whole time. She's like, well, why don't we do what Harper was doing? Which you would think they'd be like, no. But Craig's like, okay, right. but I'm just not going to pay you overtime. And she was like, okay. Done, done. I called the business. The business. I called the business Private Financial Matters, LLC. (laughs) Private Financial Matters Corp. (laughs) And I think I stuck with this bit through the notes, so bear with me. Oh, I don't like it. Don't do that bit. No. Don't do that bit. No. I'm producing you. No, don't do that bit. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Cleary's office. Yeah, Private Financial Matters. Did you say Inc. or LLC? LLC. (laughs) I want to make sure I get it right. Private Financial Matters, LLC. So Cleary is flirting with a girl. She like comes out of his office and they're just like clearly like giggling. And she is his type, like petite blonde. So Mm -hmm. I think they made a point of doing that. And then so then BNS walk like kind of past them, but they do make a point to kind of like smirk at Cleary. And then for no reason, that woman gets like really amped up and like she like runs away. I'm like, she awkwardly dips. Yeah, it was weird. It's almost like I'm like, you didn't know these were cops. I mean, unless they're wearing the badges right there, but I don't think they were. No. And they just like And also even if they did, it's like, why are you dipping? Like that's the first thing you shouldn't do when cops show she, up. She like scuttles away, like do 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 Clearly he's like, um, excuse me. And they tell him they're going to talk to his boss and they give him this like shitting grin, kind of like what he gives everyone. They're like, got a problem with that? And he's like, No, down the hall to the left, but he's clearly got a problem with it. Oh yeah, he does. He's not happy. So BNS tell Cleary's boss that they're investigating a rape. <laughs> That's literally the first episode, the first interaction. Like we see this poor schmuck. He's like this kind of like like sweet looking like middle aged guy, and he's like smiling at them. And it's just a close up on his face, and you hear Stabler go, "We're investigating a rape." Was Kenneth Cleary <laughs> here? Like XYZ day. And the supervisor's like, what does Kenneth have to do with that? And they literally just move on. They don't answer him. They're like, "Uh, tell us about Kenneth and work. And he's like, he doesn't rape anyone at work? What? I don't know. Um, He says he's a workaholic, Kenneth, and is one of their top earners. Um, He's there when the boss arrives and he leaves. Who cares? So the most important thing that comes up in this whole discussion is that this Private Financials Matters LLC is opening an office in Philly. And Kenneth has been going to Philly a lot. Oh, and Stabler, before he goes, is like, oh, Annie got convicted of um, possession of stolen property. All right, got to go by. 
And the Bye. boss is like, the boss, imagine they leave and he's like, what just happened? They came in, told me nothing except. And they're like, mm. couldn't tell you. Mm. Oh, I forgot to mention there's a corporate apartment in Philadelphia and Kenneth stays there. So he's staying overnight in Philly. This is important. And they're able to take his travel records. Yes. And they're like, we're going to need to see those travel records. If I were that boss, I'd be like, um, we've been sending him to Philadelphia overnight. OMG. I'd be like, ew, I'm an accessory. He is. Outside. <laughs> I don't know where Olivia is right now, but Stabler's in the car eating. Cleary comes out, walks up to the window and is like, trying to get me fired by telling them about a theft charge. And then he goes on and on about how much money he makes that company and that they'll live with a misdemeanor conviction. Okay, except for theft is still disturbing. If you're a grown-ass man who steals things, it's highly unhinged. I think what Kenneth is doing, and he is probably going around saying to like his wife and his boss that he accidentally got these things and the cops just came down on him really hard, even though he like bought them thinking they were legit. I think he's just good at telling people bullshit and he's just because I'm sure his wife knows. I think he bullshitted his wife. He's just been bullshit. That's like what I think he's doing. No, you're right. I, I didn't do that because um, it's true. If you buy something off the street, and it's stolen. You can still get in trouble for it. So it's like, yeah, you can. Stabler goes and a rapist. Then Cleary says he like sticks his head in the car with Stabler. He's like, hello. <laughs> and Stabler's I like. I wish we had been recording this one. (laughs) I should stop doing my physical bits. Hello. Hello. (laughs) It's just because you're slightly closer to your camera than like I am. So like it literally was just like, (laughs) I can't even recreate. It was so funny. (laughs) Not in like a disparaging way. It was comedic timing. Um, No, he does. He like kind of like leads his way into the car, (laughs) which is weird. He says, Let me ask you something. One hungry man to another. Is there anything better than gorging on a fresh caught meal? And then he shoots him one of those fucking smiles. And I swear to God, this man's waggling his head as he tries. (laughs) As he tries to get away. And then Stabler, of course, reaches out, grabs him by the collar, yanks him back towards his face. And he goes, you're not going to be eating out anymore. And then he pushes him away. It was so hot. And again, Cleary immediately (laughs) just staggers a little bit and then goes back to being like, now I was like, why am I so attracted to Stabler this episode? And it's because he's no drama. And that was hot until he like spits out part of his sandwich at Cleary. I was like, oh, he's very sexy. And then he goes, like a a camel. Like what? He's like, I was like, dude. He is the only person I've ever seen get away with being able to eat and be hot at the same time. Because you're only in people's mouths are full. I'm like, I wish you would die before you finish your sentence. (laughs) Every time I look at myself and I'm eating, I'm like, I am a troll when I eat at work. Dun dun. So back at the station, Munch tells Olivia, going back six months, there are three rapes in Philadelphia that have Cleary's signature. So... Munch and Olivia working together cross-check these dates with Cleary's travel dates and find he was in Philly for all three. And he's booked an Amtrak ticket to go back tomorrow. So Cragen's like, Munch, you're going to Philly. And Munch is kind of like, why? Which I thought was a stupid question. But then Cragen's like, well, you have to interview the three victims. And I was like, oh, I thought he was going to have to stalk Cleary. But no, 
I guess there's some shit going down at Philly SVU where they don't really trust the police officers working there. So he wants Munch to re-interview the victims. We're outside the Cleary Brownstone. Cleary's taking the trash out and he sees that Finn is sitting in an unmarked car watching him and Finn flashes his badge and clearly does a smile frown thing. I wrote, what in the Monique Jeffries is this scene? <laughs> I think that's supposed to establish that they are now the tables They're, have turned. Yes. Dun dun. Dun dun. Now we're outside Penn Station and Munch and Tutola accost Cleary outside. And he's like, uh, I got to catch a train. And they're like, that's so crazy. We're also on that train. And he's like, who the fuck are you? And Finn's like, I'm the knot in the pit of your stomach. Plus 30. And then Munch goes, is this how you like it? And they both just kind of like fucking dunk on him. And he once again, frowny faces and like runs into the station. A lot of people scurry. There's a lot of scurrying around in this episode. Dud dud. We're back at the station. Stabler and Benson have a list of stolen jewelry from the Philly assault victims, and they plan to show Meredith, a.k.a. Mrs. Cleary. <laughs> Meredith, a.k.a. Meredith. <laughs> Meredith, a.k.a. Meredith. They're going to show them to Meredith to see if she recognizes any of the pieces. Craig is being a pill about this <laughs> because he's concerned about spousal privilege and Meredith's general unwillingness to speak to them. But he also suggested, oh, this is me talking now. This is Paige. Hi. Hi. So I'm saying... But he also suggested that she could be an accessory to the rape. And then Benson's like, uh, what are the odds of that? And he's like, I mean, she's probably just in denial. But what if she is? And I'm like, so do you or do you not think this person is guilty? He gets like mad at Olivia, too, for like saying that. He's like, well, we should still check. It's like, okay, well, you've been entirely unhelpful this whole time. And now you're being like, maybe she's an accessory to the rape. It's like, that's a lot. Go over there with that, please. Cragen is just huffing and puffing this whole scene because Stabler's kind of like, well, I'm just going to go do it because we don't have any other options. And Cragen's like, huff, puff, huff, puff. Well, Olivia, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm just going to go get a coffee. And he's like, where? Yeah, she he asked Benson where she's going. She's getting ready. And she says she's going to meet Harper for a coffee because she feels like she kind of dropped the ball with handling her overall. And Cragen, so I thought he was going to have a problem with this just anyway, but he goes, coffee where? And Benson says the West Side firing range. And he's like, what? And then she's like, books it out of the office. She's like, yeah, I got to go. Bye. She's like, don't worry. She's permitted, girly pop. And then she runs out. <laughs> <laughs> and Craig is just sitting there like, oh, he's so mad this episode. Like, he's just been huffing and puffing at them being like, why isn't this case solved? Why am I not out playing golf? What is happening? Dun, dun. So now we're at Philly SVU. And a detective is introducing a blonde woman to Munch and Tutuola, telling her that they may have a lead on the man who raped her. So she tells them her story. And I like what the show did here. As she's talking, they start cutting between different women who all basically fit um, Kenneth Cleary's type. So small, petite, blondes. Um, And they all tell a very very familiar to us story. So a pillowcase or a nightgown or a t-shirt is pulled over their face. They're all asked, is this how you like it? They're all salted. They're all cleaned afterwards. One of them asked Cleary what his mother, the suspect, but it's, it's fucking Cleary. I don't, I'm not going to be cute here, would think of this. And he's like, my mother just wants me to be happy. Minus 10. Minus 10. A piece. Munch and Tutola share a disturbed look like, ugh, a god. Dun dun. 
Dun dun. Cleary Brownstone. Um, I took bad notes on this because I don't. It was just kind of him trying to convince Meredith Cleary to like come talk to them, right? It was Stabler. Yes. They Mrs. Cleary opens the door and Stabler standing outside, like the gate in front of their front door, because this is still New York. So it's like a gate front door with a gate, then another front door. Thank you for explaining that to me, because I was like. Sorry, is confused in New Hampshire. That was my face. Because <laughs> they don't all have it. But when you think about when you walk by brownstones, you kind of like realize how exposed they are because it's just there's like a little gate in front of like the steps and you're like, OK, but couldn't I just hop over that gate? And the truth is, yes, you can. Meredith is pissed that Stabler's there and he reminds her that rape victims, the term, also include the families of the rapists. Anybody who's been directly impacted by the rapist's actions are also victims. So Stabler then calmly explains to her that although this is hard for her, she should consider the victims and at least try to help them if she can. So she hands her the photos of the jewelry that was stolen from these Philly victims and he leaves. Yes, and she's left looking down at the paper like, hmm... Hmm, I am a woman. I am a woman. Dun, dun. Now we're at this fucking firing range and Harper is shooting the absolute shit out of a target and she's doing such a good job that Olivia's like, nice grouping. Um, and then they do some gun talk. She's like, what are you using? And apparently it's like illegal. <laughs> it's an illegal gun. Harper's like, oh, a Desert Eagle 9 Nimbus 2000. And Olivia's like, um, that's illegal. And Harper's like, oh, sorry. Didn't know. Takes the clip out and hands it. And Olivia's like, Jesus Christ. I thought that was a good kind of like, it's sort of, I think it's designed to kind of show us like, okay, Harper's not like, she's not insidious. She's really not crazy. She's not trying to kill anybody here. She just gave you a clip that she did. She's like, I don't know here. Yeah. Like, she's like, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Just here for recreation, even if I'm not. <laughs> and, and Olivia's so, I don't know, doing her Olivia thing. She goes, that gun's a lot. And Harper then goes on this kind of funny little rant where she's like, you're something else. You know that? You think I'm some sort of Velma vigilante? And I was like, who the fuck is Velma vigilante? I know what she was trying to say, but Velma vigilante made me laugh. She's like, I'm not stalking Cleary just so I can shoot him. This is just practice. The thing is, he's the last thing I'm afraid of. And I know once I can get past this fear, I'm going to be totally healed. That's just what I want for my journey. Rant time. Olivia tells her she's not the same person she met six months ago, but it's in a slightly like degrading way, which pisses yeah. me off because in Closure Part 1, Olivia went on this whole rant when she was convincing Harper to talk at her apartment, telling her she couldn't be the same person she was before the rape. And it was actually a really powerful scene where she was like, things change us. Like, it doesn't even have to be this rape. Just things are going to happen to us that change us. And unfortunately, that's what happened to you. So you are changed. So for her in this scene to be like, you're different. I was like, you wow. had such a great speech about change last time. And now you ruined it by being a bitch. That's a really good point, and I had actually forgotten that, so thank you for keeping everybody honest, because that's mm. a very, that's a pretty big contradictory point in the writing, and again, like we said, this is not meant to be streamed, but you're right, it's like, if this were real, and it's not, like, that would be a highly irresponsible thing to kind of do to a victim, to be like, give them this one course of advice, even if it's just for the moment to shut them up, and then be like, you're not the same. It's like people do that to each other all the time, too. They're like, you got to stick up for yourself. And then when you do, they're like, I don't like this version of you. It's I don't like, like this side. 
Also, I would go about arguing with Olivia that I don't think Harper really was ever like she was always like kind of she wasn't like aggro at first, but like the first night when she was telling them about the rape, she was obviously traumatized. So she's talking very slowly, Mm -hmm. you know, and like but then after that, she was pretty. If I remember, she was she was still spunky. I mean, well, when they they went to basically accuse her of hallucinating her rape based on the one joint they found in her apartment. And she was like. Um, how about you don't question me about my, the baby half a joint I smoked because I was nervous about a job interview and you go catch this guy. Okay. So weird. Um, and I also totally get her point and actually backtracking what I said about the other rape victim because, well, in the moment, scary. Why would you talk back to him? But clearly, clearly is a coward because oh, yes. he only, yeah, he only attacks his victims when they are a thousand percent vulnerable. And then, of course, he makes them more vulnerable by, like, you know, wrapping them up in their shit. Um, she's been in his face several times since. Clearly, he's not going to do anything. So I don't blame her either. I'd be like, look, he's proven to me, like, yeah, he's dangerous, but he's also, like, just as scared of me now as I am of him. Mm-hmm. So in a battle of who's fucking more with who i'm gonna win this one so i get it i think olivia does too now because she says do you want to get a drink to harper yeah like they kind of have this whole like back and forth but it they seem to end in a place of understanding and decide to go get a drink together dun dun um so they're heading to the bar that they're going to but then they also pass the restaurant where harper is working i think i'm pretty sure it's that one um and meredith aka meredith is out front So Harper kind of gets defensive at first when she sees Meredith, like she's kind of like you. But then Meredith says that she was there to leave Harper a note and she says that she's sorry for what happened to Harper. So even though Harper's tone is kind of like this, so I wasn't really sure what to expect at first. Um, But she says, Mrs. Cleary, you're not responsible for what happened to me. Your husband is. And Meredith says that even so, she feels guilty and she wanted Harper to know that. Uh, Benson asks Meredith what changed her mind, and Meredith pulls out a bag filled with jewelry. Mm. Cheap. Dun dun. (laughs) So Olivia lays out pieces of this cheap jewelry on a notepad. (laughs) Um, She and Mrs. Cleary are in the interview room. Cabot and Stabler are in there with her? I know Cabot is. I think so. I think yes. Stabler, I think Stabler's I do not here. mention him in my notes, but I think he's in the back just going like, whichever home's stumbling around near my piano with a Miller light right now. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, <laughs> talk to me. I can't. I'm going to talk to Maureen instead and then talk about how I don't talk to you. So Mrs. Cleary tells, Oli- <laughs> tells Olivia that her husband has always surprised her with these cheap pieces of crap on... <laughs> Rape victims. <laughs> I, mean, That's a, I know head, it's just it's a, more about like the prop master. I know, but, but, funny. but Mrs. Cleary calls these no occasion gifts, and Kenneth would get really excited when she tried them on, and then she's like, "I thought it was really romantic," and she starts to cry. Oh, I wrote Stabler and Cabot are here too, so thanks, thanks, past <laughs> me. Gee. So Cabot has to caution Mrs. Cleary to not answer all the questions Olivia's asking because of spousal privilege, which we're going to get a fucking crash course in. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's one of the, they're like shoving it. They're like spousal privilege. Don't like, we worry. It. It's the spousal privilege. So suddenly 
Mrs. Cleary answers her phone and I didn't hear it ringing. To me, the scene goes, this is happening. Oh. And all of a sudden she just picks up her phone and is like, you need to come home. I think she called him. I think she, oh. you know how back in the day you had speed dial on like, you would press like the three and it would be your husband or whatever. Because the way this played out to me watching this was she was like, oh, and then he would get so excited. Oh, I don't know what to do. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, you need to come home right now. I was like, this went- she started to kind of go. They were like, um, because, you know, they're questioning her and Cabot goes, don't answer that. So then she starts to get kind of, she like puts her hand to her head and she's kind of like, oh, and they're like, are you okay? She goes, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then she turns around and takes out her phone. She opens it, like, I guess presses a button and then goes, I can't take it. I can't take it. Come home. No, you have to come home now. And then she hangs up and she goes, he'll be on the next train from Philadelphia. And I'm like, love her. Back at Penn Station. For Ew. the world's shortest scene. The whole squad sends Cragen is outside. Um, and I love when they do this. I love when they send everybody. <laughs> is this what my tax money's paying for? All four of them to just gang? Oh, wait. No, they had to come back on the train. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah, I forgot that they were also there. Because I was like, why is the squad here? Um, so Cleary walks up to them and he's like, that's it. I've had it. You can stalk me at my job you can stalk me in philadelphia but you've made my wife hysterical and that will cost you he threatens to call his lawyer of course and the police commissioner which is lyle cut cranking i got a call from a man who says that you're stalking him into philadelphia well it doesn't matter who he knows because being asked to show up and arrest his ass yeah benson starts reading him his miranda rights like she was being a little petty with her inflections anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of law This is why they don't normally let her do this. They're like, call for the warrants because you don't know how to read the Miranda. (laughs) Yeah, bitch. (laughs) That would be me. I'd be like, you have the right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, tough shit. (laughs) Bye bye. (laughs) Goodbye. Are you drunk again, Detective Agrella? When you say again, do you mean because of yesterday? I was just at the bar with Sonia. We had a normal amount. Sonia. I would... No, you know what? I wouldn't drink with her. I feel like she's one of those drunks that she doesn't let you talk. You know, like she'll, you'll like be, you're like, oh, we're going to have a fun little girls night where we just like chit chat and be drunk. And she's like, I'm talking about my ex-husband now. And you're like, no. She 100% (laughs) would do that. Or make like little digs at you. Be like, oh, you're wearing that sweater I told you to never wear again. I thought you, I thought we talked about a sweater. And then like if a cute guy like is like, hi, ladies, you know. She can't wing, man. She, like, ruins it. She'll be like, oh, you want to get fucking fucked tonight? And we're like, Sonia, please. She whips out her DA badge like that chick from Stocked. Oh, my God. <laughs> that little party trick. We're doing this because we don't want to talk about spousal privilege. <laughs> don't say that. We're having fun. <laughs> we're, not being, we're not avoiding anything. <laughs> we're not avoiding fucking... <laughs> spousal privilege oh we have one more scene before we get yes. to the spousal pr- okay we, we we procrastinated for nothing <laughs> done done the lineup room Freaking lineup time <laughs> Lori's here and cragen has a lineup of white men which is my personal nightmare to have the say the line is this how you like it one by one they say the line cleary is number four and as soon as Lori hears it she immediately identifies him and runs out of the room and then from the bowels of hell, this lawyer skulks out of nowhere and is like, very entertaining. How many more shows are you doing today? 
and but then they go through the lineup and all the women identify Cleary and this man is just like oh and like descends back into the night or back from hell from whence he came who is this asshole this is Milton Schoenfield they gave us some tough names here I hated him as we're supposed to it's I'm not special for hating this guy but dun dun arraignment court full of rain (laughs) (laughs) sorry i'm getting we're getting towards the end we're both like you do it (laughs) for some reason so long my notes for this scene are so long and i don't it's i i don't like this scene it's so boring ned eisenberg aka da klein rothberg is representing cleary as well as co-counsel Cleary turns around and looks into the galley and he sees Harper in the galley and there's like a woman standing kind of right in front of her, like slightly obscuring their view. But he sees it's Harper and he starts doing his shit with his face again, just like smug, smiling at her, tootling and tottling his head. <laughs> like, woo, woo. And then, and then the person standing kind of in front of Harper moves away to reveal Meredith sitting right next to Harper. And then he's... And then he becomes grumpy cat. For like the 10th time this episode, he's like, oh no. I wish there was like a musical interlude every time. He was just like... (laughs) (laughs) It's really like... (laughs) It's so funny. So Schoenfeld and Cabot go back and forth with the judge about Cleary's bail. Ultimately, this judge is grossed out by Cleary. He, unlike Cragen, believes that this is all, you know, factual 100%. And he decides to make the bill, the bail a million dollars, 500K times two. Right? Am I good with that math? Yeah, it's pretty awesome because he tells Cabot to pick a number and she's like, all right, like $500,000. He's like, let's double it. Fuck it. It's a million. But then Schoenfeld goes, no objections, which means that clearly Cleary could pay for it. I don't know if he does, but he kind of he's like, yeah, sure, fine. So I assume that means he can pay for it. So outside the courtroom, Harper and Meredith run up to Cabot, and Harper says, is that the best you could do? Probably for that same reason. And then Cabot tells Meredith that she shouldn't be there because she's a witness for the people. But Meredith says that she had to come, see if maybe she was wrong. Um, But then when she saw Cleary smugly smiling at Harper in that moment, she knew. So Meredith gives Cabot her number so that they can call, they can chat before testimony, go over the trial. She says that she's staying with her son out in Long Island with her family. Cabot asks if there's anything she could do for Meredith, and Meredith replies, you know, any good divorce lawyers? And then she, like, stomps off. So then Harper tells... <laughs> Very dramatic. For this reason, Harper turns to Cabot and says that she doesn't think Meredith is stable enough to testify. She says she doesn't think she could do this, but that's basically what she's saying. Yeah. Um, defense attorney Klein Rothberg approaches, and he's like, hey, can I speak with you to Cabot? And Harper... Because she is just always on when introduces herself. She's like, hey, yeah, I'm Harper Anderson. Your client raped me. You're going to burn in hell. And he's like, okay, I'm Jewish. Bye. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I'm Jewish. There is no hell. Plus one point. <laughs> anyway, Cabot asks him how many motions he's filing. And he just like hands her a comically huge stack of them. And she's just like, I'll see you in judges chambers. So we're in the chambers of Judge Margaret Berry, who is apparently serving a full English tea to both Cabot and Rothberg for whatever reason. Um, Cabot is arguing that the jewelry doesn't fall under privilege because they never asked her where she got the jewelry. Yeah, they only asked her. They didn't ask her how her husband got it they said who gave this to you my husband gave it to me and then done don't say anymore it's kind of like their thing they're like end of it 
Now it's not spousal privilege. So Rothberg argues that the detectives went to the house with the express purpose of discovery. Um, the judge doesn't give a shit and says the scope of the jewelry is limited to receipt. He tries to get the voice ID thrown out. That fails too. Supreme Court. Lori is on the stand and Schoenfeld asks her if she ever saw Cleary. No. He asks her if she identified him via voice lineup and she says yes. And she also says, I would know that voice anywhere. Schoenfeld takes up a tape recorder. And I think that Cabot might object to this just immediately. I forget. I think she does. I think she takes it out and she goes, objection? And they're like, no. He takes up a tape recorder and he plays a recording of a man who is clearly not Cleary. I'm not trying to be funny there. Uh, saying, is this how you like it? So Lori looks confused, as am I. And he, sa- he asks Lori if she recognizes the man's voice. And she says no. So Schoenfeld asks if she's sure. And Cabot objects to that saying that Lori already answered, but then the judge says sustained. Oh, no. Schoenfeld tells her that it's like, basically, if it's hinging on a voice identification, this is like a necessary process for them. So he plays it again. Lori still can't place the voice. So then Schoenfeld tells her it's one of her male co-workers who she speaks to daily. So Lori's face just like sinks and she goes, Robert. To me, I felt so mad for her because with Cleary, she had the context. Like, okay, I'm going to see if out of any of these voices, yes, it sounds like this guy. And what? He just so, she just so happened to pick this guy out of a lineup. And then as soon as she got the context, if it was a coworker, she was like, oh, it's Robert. She just needed the context. That's what I said, too. I, I said that I have a lot of issues with this just personally. Um, I don't think that proves jack shit. Because, like, like you said, if you hear my voice, like, if, if, someone plays you my voice saying is this how you like it you might go well that sounds like Paige but why would they have a voice why would they have a recording of Paige like I think in the moment you're thinking you would think like okay that sounds like Robert but it can't be Robert why would they have a voice recording of Robert and recordings sound a little different than hearing a voice in real life so I think that was stupid also I want to argue with the legalities of going to her office and asking a coworker who knows her to do that. I don't know. It's like a weird, the whole thing was so strange. I mean, imagine going into the, into the office the next time and being like, hey, Robert, um, this defense attorney used your voice to like fuck up my rape case. The judge agrees with us and basically tells the jury to ignore this, tells the guy to fuck off. But the damage has been done, even though we, attorneys Porter and Agrella, have proved that this was not a good point, even though they're acting like this blew a huge hole in the trial. Yeah, everyone's kind of like, oh. It, but if it were me and the jury, I'd be like, that proves absolutely fucking nothing, you dumb fat bitch. The, <laughs> the um, <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> Sustained. <I wanna> <laughs> Porter and Agrella, attorneys at law. <laughs> Welcome to season two, everyone. It's a whole new show. Done, done. The nice interrogation room. Cabot is asking Meredith test questions for court. For example, how did you come into possession of this garnet necklace? Meredith intently responds, it was a gift from my husband. He gave it to me, but then Cabot cuts her off and says, no. You have to keep your answers narrow and address only the questions that I'm asking, basically is what she says. So Meredith frantically asks why Cabot. I'm sorry. 
so egregious. (laughs) Meredith frantically asks why Cabot is only asking her about how she got the jewelry and no other details about when Kenneth gave it to her, where he got it from, etc. She also asks Cabot. She also asks why Cabot (laughs) will not ask her (laughs) about how Kenneth would ask her to wear the pieces and laments that it would arouse him when she did. I'm sorry, I gotta clean that up. It was just so fucking funny. Why aren't you asking me about where he got it or how he got it or when he gave it to me? Why aren't you asking me about all the times when he asked me to wear it and he would become so aroused? And I know they're only doing this to explain to us, the dummy, dumb, dumb audience, what spousal privilege is. But I have to assume that this has been going on for a while and Cabot has already fucking told her that she can't do that. And the reason they're pretty, I mean, as boring as it was to listen to like (laughs) 50 fucking times. I'm so sick of spousal privilege. (laughs) I don't want that. I don't want that. No, but it's very, like, they're very heavy-handed in the scene with Meredith's questioning of the process. And that she's getting really hysterical. Cabot explains that the comms between a wife and a husband are inadmissible for the same reasons that a priest and a churchgoer. Basically, you can't expect a wife to turn on her husband because she married that man and they're legally tied. So, I don't know. I wonder what happened. I could look it up that made them be like, yeah, no inadmissible i'm blaming a president because i feel like in normal white life they would never this had to have been an important man that they were like no no his wife can't tell you anything spousal privilege it's a new rule we just made yeah it's um look it up it's called spousal privilege but don't look it up in any books because um we haven't written it down yet but when it's written down it'll be a thing it'll be a thing from now on but only for men benson says basically it's important for them to establish a timeline of when kenneth gave her the jewelry because then it could counter any potential claims or arguments that he could make in court saying that he bought the jewelry from the street which is something he did in part one he said that he found it was harper's ring he got it off of like as they call them a canal street jeweler um meredith says that kenneth is filing for joint custody of their child and she's terrified and she essentially doesn't think that the questions that they're asking the details that she's giving based on this spouse of privilege bullshit is going to get him put into jail. So she's already being like, yeah, I don't think it's going to help, actually. And Alex is like, oh, well, we have to try. And then she goes, how did you come into possession of that garnet necklace? Cut to court. Cut to court. So Mrs. Cleary explains how Kenneth gave her a garnet necklace. Um, and she is able to recall the exact date. The lawyer tries to cast some doubt on that. Be like, how could she possibly know? But she's able to say it was the very first day of their son's kindergarten. And basically shuts that shit down right away. I'm a stalker and I write down literally every time Brian says something nice to me. So I'm able to remember dates because I just make connections really easily. I'll be like, oh, well, that's the day I saw this person. And I only would have seen that person if it was a Wednesday. And because it was when like I'm able to pull that shit. So that made sense to me. So um, Cabot then shows her a ring and asks if she recognizes that piece. Mrs. Clary is now starting to get emotional. And she says yes again, and she ex- explains she received it the night they were headed to a charity event. And we're almost in the clear, but then she breaks, and she's like, and he got so excited seeing me in the ring. And then she starts to, like, lose it. And she's like, and then he wanted to have sex. And then she breaks further and just starts screaming at Claire. And she's like, you're a sick, twisted bastard. Court, everyone's like flailing their arms over their heads. The judge is like screaming at like Mrs. Cleary, Cabot, 
Cleary's lawyer. Everyone's, I just picture the scene and everyone just has their hands like waving over their head. They're like, Rah! It's literally chaos. It's chaos here. She's like screaming shit like, and then if I wouldn't have sex with him, he'd masturbate. You'd get so excited if I wouldn't have sex with him, he'd masturbate. And the judge is, the judge is desperately just like, (laughs) stop it. And like everybody, like Olivia, Alex, like run up to her and they're like, stop, stop. And then Kenneth's just sitting there and I've got to hand it to him. It was a moment to be smug. He's just sitting there, like, kind of looking around, like, eh, 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 eh. he did have sex after I gave her that ring. <laughs> when she's, he's like, definitely, well, because he knows that she fucked it all up. So he's like, I'm getting off today because my wife is blowing it. Which is exactly what happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> His lawyer immediately moves for a mistrial. The judge grants it. She tells the jury they're excused. Then she calls up Cabot and tells her she sucks at her job and basically she sucks. It's It was actually really mean. She accuses her of knowing that that that, that was what she was going to do, even though that would have completely blown Cabot's chances with this case. So that's not what Cabot knew. Everyone's in turmoil and Cleary is just like shooting finger guns and smiling at Harper and Mrs. Cleary. He's like, bye. Yeah, Harper runs up to Meredith and comforts her, which I thought was really sweet. Um, and because Meredith is like distraught, she keeps going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, even up there right after her outburst, I'd have to scream the word masturbate in a court of law. <laughs> she, you know, the court stenographer recorded that for history. Oh, like that. I'd love to be a stenographer. So then Harper looks over at Cleary, who is doing his smug smiling shit, obviously. And Harper's face, or Tracy Pollan's face, I should say, it's really a cool moment because it goes kind of stone, but her eyes, she's got this look on her face like she's kind of like, okay. It's on, motherfucker. Exactly. Like, all right. Cool. Cool. All right. Yep. Yeah. Next great. steps. Next steps. We'll talk next steps. So, dun dun. <laughs> We're in Craig's office again. And the desk vodka is back. <laughs> I said, Alex pours herself a drink from that alcohol Craig keeps only to lure people into drinking in front of him so he could talk about being sober. They kind of argue about whether or not Alex was right to ask Meredith to testify. And I think Craig is just being contrarian, but he says that Meredith is a victim and probably the most impacted victim because she has a son with Cleary and is tied to him forever. Well, he also like chastises her for thinking about herself because she she is having but it's it's a very slight moment of self-pity like she's drinking the vodka and she was like that sucked the judge made me feel like a 10 year old and that sucks and Craig's like mm, stop your whining there are real victims out there and she's like you just oh, that's what vodka. it was i thought we were thought we were having a girl chat okay i know i thought we were like chit-chatting i okay that was the because i was thinking i'm like why did he like start kind of going on about that like but then he ominously is like, listen, Mrs. Cleary is going to have to deal with Kenneth for the rest of her life. Oh, hold on. Let me answer my phone. It's ringing. Classic cut to. <laughs> He's like, we're on our way. What, what could be happening? Wee, wee, Cleary residence. We're outside the Cleary home. Close in on Meredith, who has mascara under her eyes and looks a fright. She looks a mess. Something's happened. And she's telling SVU that she went to the Brownstone to get a few things for her son, and Kenneth was there. 
She says that he attacked her. He started beating her up and he wouldn't stop. Literally Harper from like, like from like stage left, just like runs in and she goes, she didn't have a choice. <laughs> oh, I wa- oh, wow. Wow. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> seems staged or what? God, you're here. Um, so the camera then shows us that Cleary is lying dead behind them on the floor with a gunshot wound to his chest. There are several gunshot wounds on his chest in a grouping. Ah. Perhaps made by a gunman or woman who is good at grouping. And there's not a whole lot of blood around him, despite the fact that he has several large bullet wounds in his chest, which is near your heart, which bleeds a lot mm. when it, you die. Olivia's like a disappointed mom. She's like, who cleaned up? And Harper goes, me. Ah, Meredith didn't want the blood seeping into the floor. She was frantic. I was dying. I was literally sitting in my bed. This is the last five minutes of the fucking show. And I'm dying laughing that this lady dead ass looked at the cops and said, yeah, I cleaned up the blood. Meredith was so upset and she didn't want any of it getting into the floor. Oh, gee, does it matter? Benson goes, you know, it does, Harper. Bleach ruins the gunshot residue test. And Harper goes, really? I am fucking dead. (laughs) Pure fucking comedy. Amazing. Cabot arrives between the two women and Stabler goes, who shot him? Who shot him? (laughs) And then Meredith goes, I did. And then the camera slowly pans to Harper, who just gives the sprinkling, the inkling of a smile. Executive producer, Dick Wolf. Now, I was thrilled because I, before this episode started, couldn't remember if this is the one where the woman is like, yeah, my rapist, I I know where he is, and then gets killed. I thought that was a two. And I thought Harper was going to get murdered. But no, she is the murderess. Allegedly. Can't be proven in a court of law. Her face was so. And it was kind of like, because Cleary had been smiling like that at everybody the (laughs) the whole episode. Well, it's funny because the only time that he smirks and then doesn't immediately get a comeuppance like every other time he gets fucking shot in the next scene yes Bye. Uh. oh one thing we forgot to mention is that cabot says in cragen's office i think she fucked up on purpose and cragen goes why would she do that so we t- we forgot to mention that line so the sh- the show so the show implies that this plan predates even her screwing up or not her screwing up, her losing it in the courtroom. So probably I do think it was Harper's idea once they teamed up. And I think I mean, I don't think she really had to manipulate. I think she just had to be like, all right, well, here's the deal. This is what happened to me last time. It's re- going to be really hard to get him. and if. These people who I don't trust because they screwed it up last time fail. He is going to have a really good shot at getting partial custody of this kid. He's going to be in your life forever. What do you think about trying to kill him? And then she clearly agreed because she botched her testimony. And probably called him. She called him over. So she. And then Harper probably came out of nowhere and shot him. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Damn, that's pretty cool. It's a cool episode. Oh, I love this episode. Um, I had a really good time watching it. I had a really good time taking notes, except for the 
It's going to be no. interesting. We did not have to deal with a lot of legal stuff last season, and now we do. So it'll be interesting. This one, I th- I want to say it's case specific. I don't think we'll always be like that. This time it was a lot. I was like, I don't care. Well, if you're trying to follow along chronologically, which <laughs> why would you be? But on the who cares? Case you are. This show doesn't even give us the dignity. The of show doesn't chronology. care. Why should you? The next episode is. What? No. Mm. It's definitely season two, episode five, because we're skipping four because we already did it. Yes. Please go back and listen to Elite Squad Pod, episode nine, I believe. A line to guard us. And it is season two, episode four, Legacy, which would be next chronologically. But we already did that, so. We're next- not going to do it again. No. Oh. <laughs> Although it would be worth it to see our friend Denny Carrera again, but either go back and listen to that episode or just skip right to the next one, which will come out someday. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Uh, And that'll be season two, episode five. The um, cutely titled Baby Killer sounds real uplifting. They definitely gave that one to an intern. They were like, name this. We don't have time and we need it in two minutes. He's like, uh, baby killer. Good enough. Let's go. (laughs) Bye, squad. Bye.